Turtle, brand new app, NFC East, risers and fallers, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Just, uh, you know, getting through the work week. It's uh, It's been quick moving, but we're we're here and I am excited to uh, get this going. Yeah, it's crazy. I guess you really you really adopted a new nickname in the league that in the league this week. Uh, the Larry Lowball people are calling you, aka Lowball Johnson. What? That is you, my boy. I haven't been called Larry Lowball once, dude. I just got told that I've been ripping out great offers, but these people just don't want to make moves. Get out of here, Larry. Yeah, no, Lowball. I'm just I'm I'm putting you out there as probably the lowest uh, lowest baller of them all. Oh my goodness gracious, that's crazy. The J- the the Jake's brothers have a literal lowball brotherhood where they all get together and they say, "Oh, let's give these guys the worst offers ever." Suspended uh, in injuries only. No one knows. No one knows. Uh, <laughs> people with foresight who think beyond the first six weeks of the season can really get you know some values. Like if you want to pounce, that's the thing. No, I don't disagree with that. I really don't. So OTAs started, and we're starting to get blurbs, and uh, it's a lot of hype. You know, it's a lot of fluff pieces, but it's kind of fun during a, a downward news cycle um, when we haven't got a lot of on-field action. We're just you know, you get little tidbits from the teams, but they don't really say much. They're guarded about it. But now since reporters are there and there's cameras and people are on the field, you're, things are starting to kind of, you know, slowly trickle out of these camps. What What's some of the stuff that you've seen over the past week or so since this started that um, that's getting you a little hype? Honestly, the one thing that I saw today, which I didn't really want to divulge because I know one of you savages will jump on the waiver wire and scoop them is the Giants' tight end, Daniel Bellinger, is supposed to make an immediate impact in the offense. We'll see what that actually means because we know that tight ends don't usually amount to much in their first year. But if they're already thinking about getting him in the offense, that kind of makes me kind of excited. Yeah, I I, I saw that. I, I saw that little blurb. I'm just – I don't. Believe I look it at my roster and I'm like struggling. To, I mean, I think I got like an obvious cut candidate. I, I picked up Jareth Stearns, who was the uh, NCAA Division One leader in receptions, touchdowns, and yards last year. Went undrafted though. Uh, landed in a good spot. He's landed with Tampa Bay, so great quarterback opportunity um, is going to abound in, in a pass happy offense, especially if if Godwin misses any time. So I mean he's he's easily like if someone came along you're like gotta have that guy he's the first one out the door. Of course. But um, when we talk about you know him or Bellinger or or some of these other other guys it's just like who really knows you just gotta really pick one and just and just go with that. But I don't think Ricky Seals Jones is the answer. So totally totally could see Bellinger yeah. uh, doing something. The other one that just gets me excited is that. Travis Etienne was cleared for OTAs, and then you see some 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 really nice passes getting thrown to him. He's lining up in the slot, and it's just uh, it's good to see. You never want to see a guy get hurt their rookie year. Um, I wish nothing but the best for him, not only because I have him on my team, but because I think the guy was an absolute animal in college, and I would love to see him get unleashed uh, with Trevor. And then uh, everyone probably saw the Justin Ross video yesterday, the, the, the really good catch from Mahomes. Yeah, it looks great, man. I, I wish nothing but the best for that guy either. He He's had some ups and downs, and let's just hope that it's smooth sailing from here on out for the guy. Yeah, very tough injury, so we'll see. Hopefully he, um, before the day's out, hopefully he can make some, some cheddar, um, you know, for if he did kind of risk his career in college without getting paid, hopefully he gets at least um, some change to show for it at the end of the day. Um we're at the part of the season uh, where every NFL offense is starting RB is now going to be catching more passes and line up in the slot about 40 times a game. <laughs> um, we got, we got Pollard and we got Antonio Gibson and we got um, uh, Zeke and uh, there's, there's a few other Saquon is out there in the, in the slot. Now it's just, um, the the thing to remind yourself is that when the rubber meets the road, these changes actually hardly ever stick. Um, there's usually a specialized person in that offense who who it just kind of recedes back to. But um, ETN, like you said, is another one. That those videos on ETN were um, 
they weren't like um, running in a in a zone scheme or picking up a block. They were him lined out wide and, and catching a, a a little slant, right? So um, we're seeing running backs probably playing in positions and getting clips that are are not really that transferable. But but of those guys who could, um, is Pollard one where it actually could stick just based on the amount of wide receiver talent? that not only left the team in the offseason, but the talent that's come um, or stayed and is now, you know, sidelined with injury. Is, is Pollard realistic to ac- actually have, um, you know, an every down roll out there with Zeke or close to every down roll with with Zeke on the field too, just just out of need? And, and if he's catching passes, that could be pretty cool. Yeah, I don't I don't see why, why not. But I also think that Zeke's – I mean, I think that Pollard's going to sneak some of uh, Zeke's carries away this year. And I speak about that in uh, the couple of write-ups uh, in the risers and fallers in this episode. So I don't want to divulge too much. But, um, yeah, I think it's a real possibility. Pollard's a very good athlete, so they're going to use him how they can to succeed. Um, they're down a bunch of guys, so it, it, only, it only makes sense. Yeah. So like you said um... – a good segue we can jump in, but uh, it's NFC East, stock up and stock down. So Turtle and I will step through um, one player per team uh, for stock up each, eight total, and one player per team stock down, uh, one each total. There might be some overlap. We don't really talk about these beforehand. So we'll see what, what we come up with. Turtle, where do you want to start? You want to stick with the Cowboys? You want to go to your Giants, or you just want to stay neutral and start with another team? Yeah, I I, um, I was looking to start with um, the Eagles, to be honest. With okay, you. they're actually the first team on my page as well. So why don't you kick us off with a stock up from the Eagles? Yeah, I have the stock up of the quarterback Jalen Hurts. Um, Same. You do right. Same. Yep. All right. Well, that's good. I mean, basically what I was getting at is that with the offseason addition of A.J. Brown, I think Jalen Hurts has been cemented as one of the biggest risers. Um, he finished as QB9 last year without the newly acquired target hog and yak specialist A.J. So I think that it's really people are saying it's a make or break year for him. But I think that he's in such a good position where he has the targets around him to really make some noise. Um, especially with the uh, issues in their backfield. They don't really have a true running back in their backfield, and we know that he's going to go and snake a whole bunch of rushing TDs. I think that he's just in line for an extremely great year, top 10 finish again. Um, And I think that he can do it for the next few years if if the Eagles fans don't boo him out of the, uh, the city. Yeah, well, he made the playoffs last year too, I mean, at the end of the day. Yeah. So... The thing with with Hertz is either way, whatever happens from a fantasy perspective, he's going to eat with his legs. Of course, right? And and I think at stock up, generally we caveat it by saying if we think it's more redraft or more dynasty. This one might be more redraft. Uh, he's one of those QBs who, at the QB position, if you can project out with certainty five years, um, that's really really good. Uh, generally in, in dynasty, if you think you got anyone for, for five years at, at a, at a non QB skill position, you're, you're most likely fooling yourself. Like so much happens with, um, with turnover and churn and on field and off field and injuries. QBs kind of seem to be one where, um, a five-year prediction, it's about as far out as you probably should go, but it's, it's the one, if you were to make five five-year predictions at each position you'd probably get the most right at the QB spot so Hertz is really hard to predict five years out what that's going to look like with the maneuvering that they did in the lead up to the draft and then on draft day they still were able to return or retain rather their 2023 first round draft compensation so they have a lot of ammo if they want to go up and make a move at QB, and there's, there's by all accounts, some pretty good QB talent coming off um, the college ranks in 2023. So when I say stock up, I'm really talking about from a redraft or a win-now perspective in Dynasty. Um, he's, he's not a prolific passer, but he did crack 3,000 yards last year, which 
when you combine that with the amount of work he did on the ground, like you said, he had a very high finish. So if you go out and you get rid of Jordan Howard and um, you plug A.J. Brown into the offense and some of those ground yards and goal line TDs turn into passing TDs and passing yards, we're talking a guy who could he could tack on another 700 passing yards easy, be up around 3,800, um, 25 TDs. Uh, he only had 16 last year on, on nine interceptions. But you can see that this is a team that, that seems to have a solid mentality, a solid coach. Um, they're not doing anything drastic. The offensive line has continuity. And that's the big thing with Jalen Hurts is, is that's the first word I wrote was like continuity and then you talk about the new elite weapon that walked in the door with A.J. Brown. I mean, I think at an overall level, it's still to be determined uh, what the run-pass balance is with this offense. But if they lean run-heavy or stay run-heavy, then I don't know that that really hurts Hurts because yeah, you're right. he's going to eat with his legs. It's not necessarily um, all through the air. And now that you've got A.J.B., um, when they do pass – um, with Quez Watkins and those guys going down to wide receiver three territory on the depth chart uh, and probably the fourth or fifth pass game option after maybe a running back, the tight end, and the top two receiving options. I mean, things might be pretty good from an efficiency standpoint as well. He was 61% completion last year. If that goes up and some yards and TDs start coming across, um, I think you're in line for a, another really good season. Now, what that translates to in real life in terms of win totals for the Eagles will ultimately decide the fate of if he sticks around as a long-term QB. So so if you're competing this year in a redraft or you're looking for a, a win-now solution that you can acquire, I mean, I think Jalen Hurts is, even if you have him as your QB1, I think it's a really strong QB1. Yeah, and I think that Jalen Hurts, if he has a really good year, I think then we can look ahead a few years as him being the Eagles quarterback. Yeah. Because, you know, like, yes, I understand that they have that 2023 first where they could get one of the elite quarterbacks that are coming out of college. But why would they get rid of him if the fans like him, if he's winning games and he's carrying the wide receivers and running backs? I, you know, it's, it's well, that's the, the last point. The last point you made is is the ultimately determining factor is the winning games. Exactly. Quarterbacks can have really good fantasy seasons. We love them. And they're they're. Uh, a six and 10 or a seven and nine team or whatever it is now, seven and 10 team. And uh, the front office is like, we'll never get over the hump with this guy at the helm. And they make a change, a real life change. Um, So it's going to come down in, 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 in real life football, it's going to come down to the amount of wins. Simple as that. They probably care much less about his passing numbers and AJ Brown's receiving totals. um, than they ultimately do the, the, the number in the wins column. So, but you're right. I think if he puts that together and they're a winning team, after this year you can project out a little more confidently. I think standing right now, um, it's going to come down to having a good year, both both uh, statistically and team-wise. Yes, I agree with you. All right, so let's stick with them and talk about who's heading in the wrong direction, stock down for the Eagles. Yeah, and I, I honestly think that's Miles Sanders. Um, okay, I don't think that much really needs to be said about him. You know, the um, the thing with Sanders is that now it's so hard to predict that Eagles backfield now that they have Kenneth Gainwell, they got Boston Scott, who they resigned, and they got Sanders. And it's very, very tough to say who's going to get the carries because I do not truly believe that Miles Sanders is a workhorse back in the NFL. And we really we, we saw that from last year. His numbers, his rushing attempts have been going down um, each year, year over year. And I just think that it's very tough to, you know, project where where he's going to be this year, especially since he's had so many injury issues. Um, we're going to see. We're going to find out. But the craziest part about it is just that, you know, Boston Scott – and Kenneth Gainwell can both be plugged in at any given time and do just as good of a job as like we seen last year. So I really think that Miles Sanders' stock is down. If you have him as your RB1 or even 2, I think you should be a little bit nervous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, don't think, I don't think he really 
makes the cut of even wide receiver two. I think if you got him as a wide receiver two, you're probably a little bit scared. RB two, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm sorry, sorry, RB two. Oh, you're good. I'm thinking wide receiver because my stock down is an Eagles wide receiver, and it sucks because I like the guy a lot, a lot. Um, it's former Heisman winner Devonte Smith. Uh, it's an easy one to pick, but I, I think it's it, it, for me when I looked across the board, it was it was the right one um, to to bring up in this context. Um, the arrival of AJ Brown it it, it puts a massive dent in the long-term outlook for me for Devonte Smith. And, and that's, that's part and parcel to the talent that AJ, AJ Brown brings, but also because he, he got paid, you know, he got the massive contract. It's not like, um, they traded for him and his future is undetermined. No, he's going to be there. It's going to be a thorn in the side of the Devonte Smith ceiling for years to come. And it's not that last year was was bad um if if we didn't get waddle um getting the most receptions as a rookie and and chase kind of doing what he did you would have looked at Devonte smith um you know pre-2021 rookie breakout type stuff and been like wow that was an extremely extremely good season at um 916 yards and five touchdowns especially on a team that played the way they did uh hurts through as we mentioned 16 total touchdowns so um Devonte smith had a 33 percent touchdown share from a passing perspective uh when you add aj brown to the scenario and you have the other factor of what's the run pass balance going to be I just think, you know, he's he's the easy choice for me of of stock down this year. Uh if if you're a team who can afford to use him as a flex only option or even as um he's a bench player for you, he's a strong hold and see how it plays out, see how the quarterback situation ultimately plays out. But if Hertz is gonna stay around and AJ Brown's there and they're going to remain, you know, more run heavy than pass heavy. I just, I'm struggling heavily to find the ceiling for Devonte Smith. That's going to make him a dependable wide receiver three, uh, especially in dynasty leagues that play three wide receivers to start in a 12 team league. Um, and being one of those wide receiver threes that you're hoping takes the jump up to wide receiver two territory. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, he's, he's Robin to AJ Brown, AJ Brown's Batman in my eyes. And it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard going out on your own. If you're Robin um, and you try to go solo, uh, the Joker's going to kick your butt. So yeah, you're getting your butt kicked, but let me ask you this. So don't you think that Devante will still be involved in the offense heavily and maybe Goddard's um, target share will take a little bit of a hit. I mean, it's possible. Sure. Um, I just don't see why it wouldn't because both of those guys can be absolutely elite weapons and they're going to figure out ways to get the ball in their hand. I know that we're not talking up Jalen Hurts' passing ability, but I think that he can do it if he's using it, uh, if he, if he's passing on the short yardage uh, attempts, just getting them across the middle, dumping it off to him and see what they do with uh, open space. Yeah, he could, but even what you said at the end was going to be my initial response was, I feel like they're going to have A.J. Brown operating in that across-the-middle area in Goddard, too. And if if Devontae's asked to run the outside routes along the sidelines in the deep ends, and he's more the higher dot guy, and, and they're trying to factor in A.J. Brown to be the yak guy, the shorter dot, and, and after-the-run acceleration, break tackles, that sort of thing, which is kind of his bread and butter. I don't. I just don't know. Now, if they flip the roles and they say, "Hey, you're the big, strong guy. Go outside," and they're like, "Devonte Smith is fast. Like, hey, you know, um, we're going to start sending you over the middle." Then possibly, but I don't know. Maybe his maybe Devonte Smith size just doesn't allow him to to play over the middle and take those big hits. Yeah, he is slim reaper for a reason. Yeah, yeah, he is. So, all right. So Jalen Hurts both up. Miles Sanders, Devontae Smith down. That's the Eagles. Let's talk about the Cowboys. Okay. Yeah. All right. Stock up for you. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's pretty plain to see that it's um, CeeDee Lamb. 
Yeah. And, and you know why? It's because, you know, he didn't really break out and get that um, sophomore um, elite status. He had a really good year. But now, I'll paint the picture for you. Amari Cooper is on Cleveland. Dak's going to finally be fully healthy and unleashed. And Michael Gallup is most likely not going to be ready for the start of the season, which just leaves an, an extremely large target share for CD. I think we said it in the chat the other day um, on Sleeper that we think CD could easily see upwards of 180 targets. I mean, I don't know if that's realistic, but 150 plus, I would say that is definitely possible. I think CD can finally um, meet his on paper in quotation marks dynasty rankings that he's been receiving for the past couple of years. Um, and I think that you're very lucky to have CD as your wide receiver one and you should feel very confident. Yeah, I think so. When I was when I was looking at at putting mine together too, it was um, the quick the quick uh, write down was was CD. I ended up changing it to um, instead the tight end Dalton Schultz. Yeah, I thought about that too. I just yeah, for all the reasons you said, I also thought, hey, you know, this is opening up opportunities for the tight end to be the true number two on this team. Um, and he had a great year last year. Uh, he finished as the tight end three in uh, in Dynasty. And, and, and uh, we have – I'm looking at our sleeper scoring. It was um, tight end premium to be a full point PPR where everything else was getting a half. So depending on scoring formats, um, it may differ. But, but he was the three. Uh, he finished with 78 receptions, 808 yards, eight touchdowns. And I honestly, I can see each of those numbers going up with – the the Gallup injury possibly bleeding into the late November December timeline. Amari Cooper gone, Cedric Wilson gone, James Washington in but injured. Like when I think about, and maybe that's why we we're talking about Pollard at the beginning, maybe being the most feasible of the RBs who are actually going to be playing a lot as a receiver is just because of those names we mentioned now being um, hurt to some degree or out of the picture. I, I think it opens up a lot for, for Dalton Schultz. Like I said, I think he's going to be the number two option in the passing game. If he, if you're playing in a tight end premium league, uh, and this is, I think this is good enough for Dynasty. Um, he's playing on the franchise tag. Uh, depending on, on how things look, he might be one and done, but um, he could also go elsewhere and, and get some get some big money. So I'd be I'd be comfortable in both dynasty and redraft recommending Dalton Schultz as a stock up. And if we're talking tight end premium, I I, I think he's a sneaky pick for a repeat top four finish. Yeah, you know what? I think that both CD and Schultz both have golden opportunities to just be absolute target hogs in this offense, especially until Gallup comes back. Because I think once Gallup comes back, it's going to um, even it out just a little bit more. They, they paid Gallup a good amount of money, too. So I, I can see him coming back in and, and you know, creating some uh, some uh, some noise. Yeah. Yeah, he certainly could. He certainly could. Um, he just needs to get his feet underneath him. Of course. Stock down. Um, I'll go on this one. It's. It's not someone I think you or anyone would ever expect me to say. I happen to be the owner of this player, and it's Dak Prescott. Wow. Um, to me, when I look at this um, through an unbiased lens, it's simply because year over year, I think he has a weapons downgrade on his hands. Mm-hmm. Um CD's there, like you said, he didn't have a phenomenal sophomore season, and we're putting a lot of stock, especially from a dynasty perspective, into him elevating himself. And I think it's a non-zero chance that CD is not cut out to be a wide receiver one in the NFL. And whether that is just talent, makeup, size, whatever, I mean... I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. The dude comes out and says he's still growing. He said he grew a half an inch this offseason. So the, the guy is still physically growing, apparently. Um, and it could happen. And he could long-term turn out to be uh, a better, more reliable wide receiver one than Cooper ever was. Uh, but if he moves to the Cooper role and Gallup needs to now take the CD role, to me that's a downgrade. Um, it's a question mark of if CD can replace Cooper as the one. Um, I think going from Cedric Wilson, who 
I didn't know about heading into last season, but I think put together a really nice little season. Um, going over to James Washington, you know, I, I think that for me is a downgrade over Cedric Wilson. Um, how does how does Dak really make up for those though all those factors that I kind of laid out? The way he's going to have to overcome it primarily is going to have to be making up for it on the ground. Mm-hmm. But the question might be: is is the is the OC going to let him run? Is he going to return to his running ways? He it was way down across the board in attempts, yards, touchdowns on the ground last year for Dak. He had a pretty prolific passing season, but you know, if I don't think you can really increase the volume much on the passing side. Um, it was already very, very prolific last year. Um, now, if Pollard actually steps up and becomes an option in the passing game, that might be some exciting variable that we've not seen and I've not factored in. But when, when again, when I think just. Um, optimistically about, hey, Dak finished at whatever, the, the QB8 last year or, or wherever he finished, um, is he going to make a jump up two spots? I, I can't confidently say he can't. I think he's still uh, a rock-solid QB1. He's a great dynasty QB, but um, he's not someone that I would put a whole lot, of, whole lot of chips down on the table to say he is um, shooting for a, a, a top three to four finish. I think you probably need to expect um, somewhere between the 7 to 12 range of the QB1 um, and, and probably more in the, the 7 to 9 range just because he is going to have that volume. And the way he pushes higher is, is on the ground, and I just don't know if he's going to be allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to see. What do you yeah. think about that, Charlie? you just speechless that I kind of talked down my own player? No, I'm, I'm not speechless. It, it all makes sense, the analysis. His, his – um... His wide receiver room has gotten a little bit, I mean, it's gotten a little bit thinner, especially with the Gallup situation. So I understand where you're coming from with it. Um, I wouldn't say his stock's fully down. I would say his stock is neutral. That's how I see it. So you, so if you were, if you were an analyst, you're, it's not a buy recommendation and it's not a sell recommendation for you. You just like hold the guy. Yeah, he's a solid hold. And I think that he's going to do just fine. But I agree, he's not going to be a top three quarterback, but that's so hard to do anyways. Yeah. And hopefully I have one of those as my actual QB1. So <laughs> you'll be you'll be good, my All right. Stock down for you, Dallas yeah. Cowboys. It's um just like we spoke about earlier in the show. Um Pollard's gonna come in and take a lot of the reps from Zeke. Okay. So it's Zeke Elliott. And the Oof. reason the reason being is Zeke isn't getting any younger. He's had rin- injury-riddled seasons the past couple years. You know, he always plays through it, but he's always got a limp or he's always hurt. He's always having some sort of health concern. And the thing with Zeke is that over his six-year career, going into his seventh year, he's averaged 22 touches a game. That's pretty crazy. I don't think that they're going to be able to keep that pace. I, I honestly am, am projecting that he's only going to get – 12 to 15 touches a game. And where are those extra touches going to go? They're going to go to Pollard, whether that is lining up in the backfield and taking passes from Dak or running it through the tackles. Um, I just don't know if Zeke has it in him for that many more years. I don't think that he's necessarily done. I just don't know if he can handle the full workload like he has in the past. So for that reason, I think his stock is a bit down. And the thing with Zeke is that he's a tough guy to sell in a dynasty format. Not many people want to buy Zeke. So it's tough. It's tough to, it's tough to have him on your roster. Um, Cause he's a type of guy that's just going to absolutely, he's going to retire on your team unless somebody's really, really needy for a running back and wants to dish out um, whatever that value be. But I don't think right now he's worth a 2020 first round pick. No, no, I don't think, I don't, I think if you were trying to get a running back, for a first, um, there's certainly other guys that you can go for and, and try to land, especially if you're using a 23 first. The, the problem with Zeke um, or the conundrum that you're talking about is if he has one more, if he has more good years left in him, it's mm-hmm. probably only one year and it's yeah. probably this year. Yeah, this so year. if you're the owner, you're, you're saddled with a very tough decision. Right. Are you going to 
especially if you're not a strong contender, right? Um, you're and maybe you're in the mix, but you're not a strong contender. It's like you need to make a decision if you want to try to sell. Um, he's going to be healthy entering week one, and you know, knock on wood. I know some people are already getting hurt. Uh, R.I.P. Uh, Nicole Hardman, who tweaked a hammy today, but uh, yeah, but you know, assuming health entering week one. Um, that's probably as high as the stock is going to be. Uh, and personally, I think he has one more good year left in him. But um, I think after that, that is that is it. Um, yeah. So Dynasty, it's, it's very, very hard. And I can see why um, if Pollard is stealing a lot of on-field snaps, you, you, you go Zeke stock down for the Cowboys. Yeah, I think that, that it makes complete sense. I mean, if you have Pollard on your team, I think he, I think getting acquiring Zeke wouldn't be the worst idea because then you would own the backfield. If you didn't have to pay as much for Zeke to um, get him on your team, I think that that's a, that's a pretty smart move because he might play two more. Maybe not at the highest level that he has been, but he, he could still an um, asset for you. Now, in our league, the uh, flipping it the other way, if you are the Zeke owner and you try to acquire Pollard, is that even possible considering the Pollard owner? No. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, those New York football giants, who we got a lot of those Giants fans in our league, it, it really makes me sick to my stomach. Yep, but, I'm talking to one right now, my boy. I know, but I do have deep, deep love for Kadarius Tony. Yes, um, I won't be talking about him in either the stock up or stock down segment. But for stock up, I'm proud to say when I dove into this, I was very surprised with the guy who I eventually landed on, and that is the running back, Saquon Barkley. That's mine, I, too. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's just something in the gut, and it's I feel like it's the same feeling I had when I predicted that Antonio Gibson crash and burn with um, – them drafting a, a running back and eventually ruining his dynasty stock before it happened. I just feel like this is the year where Saquon becomes, you know, he turns back the clock a little bit and it's his last real chance to go out there and show that the last few years were a mixture of, uh, of bad luck and um, missed opportunity and that he'd, he doesn't have that injury prone label. Um, you know, he averaged five yards on the ground his rookie season. And then, and then he, he hasn't really come close to that, that since obviously the 2020 season, probably not worth talking much about. That was, that was a quick one. And last year it was just, um, you know, in a vacuum, it, it was almost hysterical. The, the amount of bad luck heading his way, obviously it, it wasn't funny for him or for the giants or for the fans, but like, it was just like, you're kidding me, right? Like he's back, he's looking good, and he gets stepped on inadvertently, and that sets him back, and this sets him back, and the other thing sets him back. It was just one thing after another. But then I look at what the team did this offseason, and their indication to me, as someone who's not in the room where it happened, was Saquon's fine because their main move was to sign Matt Breida. And to me, that that's no threat. That's that's a change of pace, breather back. Um, I, I, I don't even think he really threatens for, you know, the two-minute offense. I still think Saquon stays on, on there. They, they got rid of the kind of little more of the bruiser back, Devontae Booker. Um, so to me, even goal line, um, short situations. Uh, I could still see Saquon being the, the flavor of choice for that, even though for his health, uh, they might want to, you know, sign someone who can, who can do those third and short type situations and take the heavy hits. If he's healthy, um, we know he's very talented. Now you pair him up with probably in his career, the most talented offensive minded coach that he's ever had. Um, another guy we're hearing lining up as a slot receiver, and that's probably not because he's going to be playing many snaps from the slot. 
but they want him to get reps catching the ball, which bodes well as a talent coming out of the backfield. That's the cheat code for running backs. It's it's running, obviously, for QBs, and it's catching the ball for running backs. And, you know, we, we talk through the, the depth chart competition. There's, there's really none. So I, I can see a massive, massive workload coming his way. If he can shoulder it from an injury perspective, Man, he is going to return a massive, massive ROI on what you need to do to invest in him. And that's in both formats. Redraft and Dynasty, his, his stock in the owner's, the taste left in the owner's mouth is, is probably a very sour one. So to me, he's, he's a stock up candidate based off all the moves that was done, the way the draft went. Um, and I like him to, to overperform this year. Yeah. All I could, um, interject on that is all I can say is Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal. So he has the linemen now, and I think both of those guys are going to play a huge role in uh, letting Saquon succeed. I I think we could fire him up as a mid to high end RB one. I really do. I think that the outcome, I think that the uh, range of outcomes is anywhere from 12 to 15. If not, he can, he can finish top 10 running. I really do think that. Yeah, and I, I kind of got a little salty because I got some incoming offers over the past, I don't know, four to six months with Saquon coming to me. And I dismissed them kind of out of hand. I really wanted to see how the draft would play out. I thought, you know, if they go day one, day two, RB, that's a clear signal that, you know, they just, it, it's a succession planning at that position. And that came and went. Um and yeah, it just, it was a bet. I guess I was content um, not winning on. It's certainly one that I didn't win on. Um, and there, there's some regrets there uh, based on how it played out. So yeah, that's all right. You could acquire him one week. I'm sure you can. But I mean, I just wanted to say that he is so fired up. He was on the Pat McAfee show a couple weeks ago. And what he was saying is just, he just wants to prove to everybody that he is still that elite talent. And I think that he has every ability to do yeah, he's he's going to get out there and he's going to start trying to steal souls from people literally, this year. Literally. So, all right. The the less fortunate side of the conversation, the stock down for your beloved Giants, who do you got? I got Darius Big Play Slayton. Okay. And you want to know why? It's because he's absolutely on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have thought this if they didn't draft uh, Wandell Robinson in the second round. But because they did that, I just have a feeling that they're going to try to implement Wandell into that offense a little bit in some sort of gadget type role or just like some type of specialty package role. And I just don't think Slayton is going to see the field too much. I, I think that um, I think he's out. I don't even know if he he might not even make the team, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think he could be a cup personally. Me too. I'm going to stick with um, another wide receiver in that room, and that's going to be Sterling Shepard. I think he's a little bit easy to pick on as well, but to me, he was the clear stock down. I think you know his career is on life support, um, as is. Um, twenty nine. Yeah, he's twenty nine. Uh, he's aging. He's got the Achilles injury, um, so already it was on life support. And then they go out and they drafted um, clear and obvious slot help based on the size of the guy in, in Wandell Robinson, and. Um, you know, I think what that opens for Tony and for Galladay is if you look down the depth chart and you're like, okay, your positions are, are clear and obvious. Um, Shepard, if you're healthy, you might have the edge a little bit early in the season uh, or at some point in the year if he's even able to get on the field for slot duties. But they just drafted his successor. I can't see Robinson being um, – you know, an outside threat just with that, with his size, um, you're not expecting him to win jump ball. So there goes the, the sideline routes and the opportunity. So it, it seems to be, he's going to be more um, between the hashes type player. And that's where Sterling Shepard kind of makes his bread. So um, with Tony expected to, to take a leap with Galladay scoring zero touchdowns last year, due for some massive um, positive regression, and, you know, Slay honestly didn't even hit my radar because I'm like, that guy, that boy's getting cut just kind of like you. 
Um, Shepard's the guy to me who, in dynasty leagues, 25-man rosters, he's likely on someone's team. Um, and it's just the pure definition of, of roster clogger where it's like, oh, he's on the depth chart as the wide receiver three when I'm on ESPN.com or on the Giants website. It's like I can't cut an actual starter. And it's like, yeah, you can, man. It's time to let go. You're playing a dynasty league. This is a 29-year-old with an Achilles who just had a successor drafted fairly high round two. Um, yeah, it's, it's time to move on from Sterling Shepard, folks. Stock down. Sorry about it. See you later, Sterling. Yeah, so let's go over to the commies, the Washington Commanders, our last team here for stock up, stock down, NFC East. Who do you got for stock up? I mean, I think the only obvious answer is Terry McLaurin. Okay. And and the reason why is because, yes, I know that Carson Wentz isn't the sexiest of upgrades that you could possibly get, but he is an upgrade over Taylor Heineke who should probably not be in the NFL. Hmm. Um, basically, what, like Terry's going to be the focal point of that offense, especially with the uncertainty um, coming with Gibson. I just think that Terry is going to be the main guy that they target. I know that you're a big Jahan Dotson guy, so I'm sure that that's who your stock-up guy is. But we haven't seen him play yet, so it's very hard for me to be like, oh, that guy stocks up before seeing him even get on the field, even though he was an early first-round pick. Um, so that's why I'll stick with Terry, who's a proven asset. He is a he is an every year wide receiver too, and I think this is the year that he can jump a little bit higher up that um, that list. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll tell you what I think about Jahan Dotson because, like you said, uh, we can watch his tape in college, um, but the majority of defenders that any of these guys are beating. Um, regardless of position, wide receiver, QB, running back, even offensive linemen, they're they're not playing against pro-level competition. So it's like there's very few games where it's like NFL prospects against NFL prospects and Mm. you're seeing someone jump off the page. So you're right. But what I will say is that a real NFL team looked at all the available draft players and they said, this guy is the 16th best player. We want him on our team. Which is like, okay, teams get these things wrong all the time, but the hit rate for first-round picks is much higher than second and third or even the back half of the first round. So um, he's not my stock up, but I did want to just defend him a little bit by saying saying that. No, so I'm going with the guy who is going to benefit if if both Dotson and McLaurin do well. And to me, that's – Carson Wentz, and I'm saying that with a slight squint, Um, but hear me out. To me, I don't think this is even a moderate level weapons upgrade for Carson Wentz, changing teams, right? Now, I mean, take away um, Jonathan Taylor, obviously great to establish the run, Um, but if you have Jonathan Taylor – and you're a quarterback, well, that's not really the best mix if you're trying to put up stats because that guy's better than you, and when he's getting the ball, you're not getting any stats. So removing Jonathan Taylor from the picture, right away from me, okay, Carson Wentz is going to be throwing the ball more. That's that's how I read it. Um, then let's talk about the weapons comparison. If you say that um, Scary Terry equals Michael Pittman, that's an equivalent. I'm fine with that. Um, I think Logan Thomas is going to be a better tight end than anyone who was on the roster last year for um, the Colts. That's Doyle. Um, that's Mo Ali Cox. And they had the rookie Kylan Granson. Um, I'd say that Dotson, um, a, a supposedly healthy Curtis Samuel, um, those are that as a two and three is much, much better talent than than what was, uh, what is it, Paris Campbell and, gosh, I'm blanking on these Doolin. guys because Doolin. A- Ashton Doolin, um, there's guys who aren't even on the team anymore. Like, he had a ragtag group of receivers. So now you got Dotson, you got um, a finally healthy Samuel, you got an upgrade at tight end, you got a downgrade at running back, 
which means you're probably going to be asked to throw the ball a bit more. Um, McKissick is going to be your satellite back. Um, and the commanders are very, they're very firm on like using him in that role. Whereas you had Naheem Hines, but last year, I mean, you were the Hines owner for a little bit turtle. I was the Hines owner for a little bit. It wasn't, it wasn't fun owning Hines. They, they didn't use the guy. It was like, he's, he's, he's useless. If you followed the money on the Naheem Hines contract and thought he would have a big role, you were dead wrong. Um, it was one of, one of those times where following the money actually blew up in your face. Of course. But, but of course with the commanders, I see McKissick. I'm actually going to use that guy to throw to. So great upgrade over Hines from a usage perspective. Upgrade at tight end, upgrade at wide receiver, at least with wide receivers two and three. And likely I'm going to have to throw the ball more because I don't have have uh, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, to me, the narrative kind of fit where if he can limit turnovers, I think year over year we're going to see a clear improvement um, from statistically from, from Carson Wentz. And, you know, he needs to protect the ball, but he, he's done a fair job that he has seven or less interceptions in four out of the six years. Um, when he doesn't get seven interceptions, he's got exactly seven, four years, he doubles it to 14 or 15. So if you get a, a seven interception season instead of a 14 or 15 interception season, I think we're going to w- look back and say, he wasn't the worst, you know? Um, and solid QB two, hard to say, but high, I mean, low end QB two, if you're talking like 23, 24 range, I think he gets there. And I think people look at him like maybe the 28th or 29th best quarterback. And I, I think he's going to be a little hot. He's going to be higher than that at the end of the year is my, is my take. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. I, I actually like that take. I, I, I don't hate Carson Wentz. I just think that Brian said it in the chat. You just can't trust any decisions, decisions made by the, the commanders. No, you, I, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. Like I said, I caveat it. Like, first-round picks, you get wrong, right? But, yeah, of course. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think Jahan Dawson is going to be better than Ashton Doolin. Yes, I do too. I think Samuel is going to be better than Paris Campbell for two games. So, um, All right, stock down. Commanders, who do you like for that? You know who it is. It's the only person that makes sense. It's Antonio Gibson. He's mine too. It's the most mind-boggling thing in the world because Antonio Gibson has all the talent in the world. We've seen the guy do it. They just must be so scared that his shin splints and his foot, whatever he's got, turf toe, shin splints, fumbling, whatever he's got, they're just so afraid to utilize him. But I genuinely believe that if they did – push him out as an every as an every down back he would be just fine but they're not going to do it so with that being said his stock is way down i think that the the uh the draft pick in brian robinson is a clear thunder and lightning type situation with like you said mckissick being the satellite back and taking all the pass passing down works in the third down um receptions and it's just sad because gibson is a very talented football player and you know it just it just sucks. It, it does suck. I feel bad for the guy. We'll put it down. Yeah. Um, as the Gibson owner for the majority of last season, that's what sucked. Um, <laughs> confidence, I think, began to really fade last season. I'm not just talking to fantasy owners. I, I think it was with the Commanders' front office or coaching staff. So, something was going on where you know. If you were watching those games and you had him on your roster, you would be paying you know more attention to to his usage. And you're talking first quarter, second quarter, he might not get on the field, and he's off the injury report entirely. He might not get on the field to the middle of the second quarter. You just don't know what was going on. They weren't saying much about it. Um, you could just kind of sense that that the confidence erosion had began. I think it was probably some doubts around his health, like you said, but I think doubts around his talent started to uh you know the surface started to crack a little bit in that area he, he obviously as we know transitioned from wide receiver to running back was learning the position and i just don't think he is he's 
in the NFL at the hardest level, um, trying to learn a new position and it's not gone smoothly whatsoever. Uh, when you look at more of the advanced analytics around his rushing, um, he's, he's one of the least efficient ones in terms of, of finding the hole yeah. and making the right reads when, when you kind of, okay, you take a handoff, you freeze the screen, where's the right place to run, and where then did Antonio Gibson choose to run? Um, he's, he's, let's just say, he's in the bottom quartile of, of the NFL, which you just can't have um, if you're trying to win ball games. So they go out and they draft um, an Alabama product, and, and the Alabama products have consistently performed at uh, a very dependable level at the NFL. So Brian Robinson Jr. is now on the team. Um, McKissick obviously returned. So the, the limitations on, on all aspects of Antonio's game, being the bell cow, being the, the guy who could potentially get a receiving boost, it's, it's not even on the back burner. It's You need to get it out of your mind. That has fully evaporated um, before our eyes. And, and I mean, Antonio Gibson's star, which was once rising, um, you know, it, it's fizzling out and it's, I think it's, it's barely, barely there. And with his, with his name value and recognition and what he cost you, he is a complete fade for me. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. What would, what would Antonio's Gibson's vision and agility be in Madden? What do you rank that? His agility is going to be much higher than his vision. I what think, do you his, think his visions are his vision would probably be somewhere in the low seventies. Yep, I agree. You know, like seventy two to seventy four, um, which is you know the equivalent of what you'd expect of like your bruiser back kind of coming off the you know if you if you put in a third down back mm-hmm. or goal line back in your depth chart in Madden, it's like you don't care about vision, you care about strength. Yep. Um, that to me is that, and his, I mean, his agility is high. He's a very athletic, um, player. Uh, he's strong. Uh, probably runs a little bit too upright cause he's a big guy. Um, uh, but, but I think he's, he's plenty agile now. I mean, that's different, right? If you talk Kadarius, Tony is a 99 agility cause he's just jumping around like a water bug on, on the surface of a lake. Of course. Um, then yeah, Gibson's much lower, but in, in the scheme of, him versus his peers. Answer your question. I'd say mid eighties, maybe eighty four to eighty six. Not good enough. Not good. Enough. No, it's not good enough. I mean, it's it's certainly it it puts him out. It puts him in the bottom half, probably. Eighty three overall, which is not very good for a Madden running back. You don't want eighty three over him. No, no, no. Okay. So Gibson, sorry. Uh, anything to add on onto him? No, nothing much else. All right, so Wentz and McLaurin up, Gibson, both our choice down. All right, last segment of the day, NFC East risers and fallers are in the books. We're going to do a take a stand segment. So our formally titled Make a Case, we've rebranded it to take a stand. And um, Turtle, you're going to take a stand on a guy that we were dogging on in um, last week's closing segment, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. Uh, where we both said we are never going to be in love with DJ Moore. And I'm going to take a guy who in our uh, – that was my challenge to you, and you challenged me with Josh Jacobs because we had a previous conversation earlier in the week where I just – I was not aboard um, Josh Jacobs doing doing anything resembling close to what his, his cost is this year. So you challenged me with, with taking a stand and in, in, in laying out the case on, on what needs to – happen for Josh Jacobs to do well. Um, do you want to start or you want me to start? Yeah, let me let me start it off. Let me get through. Okay. All right. So DJ Moore, my favorite player of all time. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So realistically, so the first positive sign that I see for DJ Moore is that they weren't originally going to sign his fifth year tender and now they did. They they signed him back in I think um, in March. So he's on that team until 2025, which is a Mm -hmm. great thing. So he's now penciled into the Panthers starting lineup as the wide receiver one for the foreseeable future. Great sign for him. He's finished between 1,157 yards and 1,193 receiving yards, three three straight seasons with exactly four touchdowns each. 
I know that kind of sounds like he's allergic to the end zone, but he absolutely has a, a large enough target share to improve on the lack of TDs heading into 2022. I would say that him having a healthy Christian McCaffrey is going to also boost his numbers because teams are going to focus more on trying to not let CMC beat them uh, individually. He, you can't have CMC beating the whole team, which you know he's capable of. So I think that, you know, allows for DJ to kind of flourish in that offense. Not that he has a great quarterback, but because he has such a large target share, I think that he can have a big uptick in his receiving yards and his touchdowns this year. The good thing about DJ is that he set a career mark in targets last year at 163. I won't say that they were all quality targets due to the horrendous quarterback play, but it, that is what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so... I would say all in all, DJ Moore is a more than reliable fantasy option and should be treated as such. Dynasty managers should feel confident locking them in as a high upside wide receiver two with wide receiver one potential breakout. <clears throat> I think you will absolutely need to pay more than a 2023 first round pick to acquire DJ Moore since he's getting better year in and year out. And you know what? That is my story about DJ Moore, and I'm sticking to it. I think that DJ Moore is a good player. I think that he is the clear-cut WR1, and I think that he is still reaching his potential right now. All right. And it's really the uh, the quarterback that's ultimately holding him back. So if you're trying to buy him, it might be before the Panthers have the draft capital to go out in 2023 and get an actually playable quarterback. Of course. Or respectable quarterback. All right. I don't have that. Josh Jacobs. Man, I got to take a stand for this guy. Let's start back. Josh Jacobs' college career. He entered Alabama 2016, played there through 2018. Um, In his 2016 season, he really didn't do much whatsoever. He was dealing in the backfield with Jalen Hurts, Damian Harris, and um, Bo Scarborough, one of the Alabama backs who, you know, we'll get to the NFL, but but actually didn't get that that full feature role. Bo Scarborough, oh. probably one of the only ones over the past few years. But he did have a few good weeks for the Lions back uh, a few seasons ago. Anyway, so so Hurts, the main rusher on the ground, and then Harris and, and, and Scarborough was banging in a lot of uh, touchdowns. In 2017, Najee Harris joined the fold. Um, it was the same three. It was Hertz, Harris, Scarborough, Najee, and Josh Jacobs. Um, Damian Harris was the main guy back there, um, a thousand yard rusher. Um, again, Jacobs not really doing much. Uh, in 18, 2018, it was a three way split. You had Damian Harris, you had Najee Harris, and you had Josh Jacobs. Um, it was Damian Jacobs and Najee in order of um, carries. Jacobs had 120 carries for 640 yards and 11 touchdowns. Um, the touchdowns were the most on the team with 11. But, you know, his last season, his junior season for Alabama, he had 120 carries for 640 yards. He, he did not have a prolific college career whatsoever. We get to the 2019 drafts, and something changes, right? Damian Harris, his teammate, who was the guy the the entire time there falls to the third round at the 87th pick overall while Jacobs um goes in the first round and 24th overall to um the Raiders so right there the NFL is telling us and again I mean we made the comment about the commanders drafting this is the Raiders we're talking about which are historically horrendous at picking first round um prospects but they go out and they they make Jacobs their guy. So 2019 season, um, I I really think his rookie season was the best one he had. He only had 217 carries, but he got nearly 900 yards and nine touchdowns. He averaged four point yards a carry. The and he had his best receiving um, workload of his career, where he had 54 receptions, which is. Just, I mean, just great. If you have 54 receptions as the starting running back, tacked on another 348 yards, um, things were pointing up. But then um, 
you know, Gruden started to change things. Over the next year, he became, um, he stayed the feature runner, 273 carries. He hit 1,000 yards, over 1,000 yards. He had 12 touchdowns on the ground. But his receiving work dropped from 54 receptions down to 33. Uh, he only had 238 yards, no touchdowns. And then in 2021, um, his his touches on the ground dropped even further, two, 247 yards, 1,150 um, 247 carries rather for 1150 yards, seven touchdowns. It was his best, um, yards per carry to date. It was 4.8. Um, it was his worst receiving workload to date. He was down to only 20 receptions in 2021 for 166 yards and zero touchdowns. Now here's where I started to look at those numbers and I saw, okay, he's still a very efficient runner. Um, he has actually, I, I forgot about the rookie year, 54 receptions. He does have a very good receiving profile on his resume. He's got one year worth of it on his resume. And the very, very interesting thing for me was combining his college workload being very small and his NFL workload also being pretty moderate. He only has 732 career carries. I'm one of those guys, we talked about it in the, in the in a previous episode about RB decline, where I'm less in the camp where there's just this uh, predetermined age where they start falling. I think there's a higher correlation between age and number of touches for the feature running backs, and that's why they start to aggregate around a certain number in the 26 to 27 age range. I think for Josh Jacobs, he is halfway to where we start seeing the cliff in terms of running backs. I think he has another three plus solid seasons um, of 250 being able to shoulder 250 plus carries um, in those seasons being, you know, pretty rock solid, you know, the, the high end RB two variety before we start to see um, the decline. Uh, because for me coming in with a, uh, a very low college resume workload. And then through his first three years, only having 732 carries, but putting up some good stats, I walked away kind of surprised that I thought the, the end was coming for, for Jacobs, but I think he actually has much, much more runway left. Um, so, so that, that was surprising to me. And then, um, if I were to lay out his best case, I would say McDaniels has to use Josh Jacobs like he used Damian Harris in in um, New England, which is um, as a touchdown maven and as the primary number one feature back. But I think he also has to restore his passing game usage back to his rookie year level. And if those two things happen, you are going to have a very good running back on your hands. Um, and I think they would re-up with him. They, they declined his fifth-year option, which was – another negative for me coming into this, but if he can go out for McDaniels and they say, go prove that you deserve another contract and he stays efficient on the ground and he gets some passing work, you're going to have a really good RB on your hands. And even if he has to change teams, I still think he's got some um, workload feature back usage um, in those legs for another two seasons after 2022. I like it. I think that that's a great analysis. I have never been out on Josh Jacobs. I know that he hates fantasy football, so that always kind of scares me. But I think jo I think Josh Jacobs is a great running back, and I don't see them not giving him the ball as much as they have been the past few years, even with the the uh, with McDaniel's. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I pointed out he needs the passing game work. I'm it's he needs it. I'm a little. Scared if that's ever going to happen because, you know, you got Drake. He brought Brandon Bolden with him. Um, I I just – I don't know how it's going to play out. But if he – if if those kind of stars align, that that's the case for him. I mean, he wouldn't even be a back – if he was Damian Harris plus catching 53 balls, he's an RB1. Absolutely. Plain and simple, he's an I, RB1. I, I agree with you. And I and my, my theory is on, on this is that if they're not going to sign this fifth-year option – why wouldn't they just run the guy into the ground and let the next team that signs him deal with it? That's that's how I see it. I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't. The guy obviously produces, and it just seems to make sense in my brain. Mm. Yep, I, I understand what you're saying. All right, well, that's a wrap for today. Got through the NFC East, Rise and Fallers, and 
taking a stand for two guys that uh, the start of the exercise we really didn't like and hope we brought some some other tidbits so that if you were sour on some of these guys, it's giving you an alternate viewpoint of, hey, there are some things that can go right where these players can, can actually do well for your dynasty fantasy football teams. Turtle, anything to close us out today? No, I'm, I'm loving it. Let's hope we get some big news uh, here coming in the next few days in the football world. Do you have any busters brewing right now in the league? Uh, I do not have any busters brewing. Nobody okay. sends me trade offers, so I don't even let it. I don't even. Uh, I don't even let it ride. I was really hoping that one would break on air or something. We could break it down, but hopefully another day. I actually can... did send out a nice little buster, but it got it got rejected instantly to uh, my boy Timmy Cavallo. <laughs> all right, um, all right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening today. We'll catch you next week. Enjoy the holiday weekend. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you next time. See ya.